Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome in. It is a spring break edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Network. We are on spring break, technically. Uh, that's why you don't see Israel here, but I wanted to jump on for a quick uh, spring football, spring practice update. Uh, also, we're going to air uh, an old, old episode. We're going to go way back in the in the archives and, and uh, dig out when uh, Richard Samuel Former uh, former Georgia player, Georgia running back uh, Richard Samuel joined the show. He was the second guest that that I had. This was pre-Israel. Uh, this is very very early on, so we're going to play that here. But first, we are presented by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point. At Bet Online, you'll find all the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through the Final Four and Championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag. It's where the game starts. So uh, just a couple quick notes. Uh, spring practice kicked off. Uh, the first practice was yesterday, Tuesday, uh, the, the 14th. And uh, lots of storylines. Uh, the, uh, the the quarterback competition got off to a, to a good start. Carson Beck, Brock Vandegriff each took uh, equal share with the ones. Uh, Gunnar Stockton will get his opportunity here pretty soon. But uh, the, that's how it started out. Not surprised. Uh, they're saying Brock Vandegrift added about 15 to 20 pounds. We'll see kind of how that goes with uh, with this competition. But Carson Beck seems to be the one that's in the driver's seat right now. Seems like he is uh, most in tune with the offense, things that we've talked about uh, in the past with not with Israel and, and, and things like that. So um, I, I think that he, if he can, can remain to have his firm grip on this offense, if he can maintain that rapport that he has with the receivers, especially the new ones. Uh, a couple storylines coming in there with, with the transfers, Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett uh, coming in as new receivers, new weapons on the outside to go with Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey and, uh, and the other guys that we have in the mix. So it's going to be an interesting off season. It's going to be an interesting spring practice period. It's going to be an interesting fall camp because this thing is not going to be over unless Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift, or Gunnar Stockton completely separate, and it's like miles and miles of separation from QB1 to QB2. So uh, unless we get that, which I don't think that we will, you'll see a very, very tight race. And it'll, it'll come down to command of the offense, command of the huddle, 
and uh, rapport with the weapons that they have, especially the new transfers. How can they get uh, rolling? So uh, we look at the offensive line. Um, you know, Cedric Van Pran coming back at center. Xavier Trust, Tate Ratledge uh, look to man the interior. Um, but let's take a look at the tackles. I mean, Amarius Mims, he's got his uh, he's got his tackle spot. I think lined up. He had a tremendous season last year uh, in in his spot duty and ended up taking over a lot of games. Uh, at the at the right tackle position, so you have to think that he's he's locked in for a starting spot, but you never know with that. Uh, you have retro freshman Ernest Green, who's got the most praise from Roger Jones and uh, Warren McClendon uh, when they talked to him at the at the combine. Austin Blasky, uh, who can play, he can play all five positions actually, so he he makes himself valuable. So uh, those are some names to kind of look out for on the offensive line. It's Austin Blasky and Ernest Green will be looking uh, to battle to see who's going to open up at that left tackle spot or possibly the right tackle spot, depending on what they decide to do with the Marius men. So um, I, I, I like that. I, I think, I think you have a really good competition on the offensive line uh, there. So uh, defensively uh, early enrollees, Gabe Harris, Samuel and Pimba and Damon Wilson. Uh, they have a tremendous opportunity uh, on, on that defensive front uh, to, to make a name for themselves, especially in Pimba and Damon, Damon Wilson. Uh, I, I think coming in, those are two very highly heralded edge rushers. Who's going to fill that Nolan Smith spot opposite of Michael Williams. You have to think one of these guys has a really, really good shot. So uh, smoke Bowie, the transfer from Texas A&M. He's one of the stories. You look to add depth at that in that secondary. He's got to be somebody that if he's going to get these reps, if he's going to come in and be a starter as talented as he is, I, I think it's going to come down to can he speak the language? Can he properly communicate? Can he make sure uh, that, that your safeties are on the same page? The guys in front of you are on the same page. Can you get lined up quickly? Can you know that, you know, can you know the ins and outs of the, uh, of all the zone coverages? So, um, but that's your that's kind of your spring update. Nothing earth shattering on day one. I, I think it's just I think it's just these guys getting the pads back on, getting back in the groove of things. It was kind of a it was kind of a tumultuous offseason with the Devin Willock uh, situation, the, the the car accident, and, and the staffers uh, that died in, in the car accident. So that's that's got to be something that hopefully that they put behind them. But um, you know, for them, I guess it's good to get back in normal routine. So. Uh, without further ado, uh, like I said, I'm going to go in the Wayback Machine uh, to, to bring up this uh, interview that we had with Richard Samuel uh, way back in the very, very beginnings of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. Um, before we do that, though, we are also brought to you by Row One Brand. Uh, vintage art watches is what they is one of the main things they have to offer. Uh, you can get. Uh, any sort of any team uh, vintage watch uh, using the promo code dogs 20. Uh, if you want to get your NFL team, if you want to get some NFL representation on your wrist, like let's say you're a Steelers fan and you want to get, you know, you want to add that to your dog watch, go for it. All right. Dogs 20. Uh, we'll get you that 20% discount. They have, they have four really good uh, Georgia watches to choose from a couple a couple art pieces from 1929. So some expired copyright stuff. So those are exciting. We'll have some images there and, and hopefully I'll have one on my wrist here pretty soon. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to get to this interview. Um, we hope you, uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Again, we're, this is a spring break edition of the believe in Georgia dogs podcast on the believe network. We are presented by betonline.ag. 
Here's Richard Samuel, former Georgia running back. His name is Richard Samuel. He joins the show. Richard, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing wonderful, man. It's another blessed day. Can't complain. How about you? You know, if I complain, nobody would listen. So um, it's a blessed day. So uh, the, the sun came up, and uh, it will probably hopefully come up tomorrow. So um, I'm happy to be here, happy to have you join the show. So uh, one of the things that Chad told me about you um, was that you enrolled at Georgia at 16 years old. I knew you were young when you came in as a freshman, but I didn't realize you were how – I didn't realize you were that young. How did that happen? Um, well, actually, I was born in St. Croix, the Virgin Islands, and the education there, it's a little different. I was in public, I mean, private school. So when I moved to Georgia, they, based off my age, they wanted to help me back to fifth grade, and my mother wouldn't allow them to. Okay. So you just kind of advanced through. So and then... I, was, I was young for my grade, and I graduated high school early. And because of that, allowed me to – be at Georgia at 16. I think for, I was, for two months, I was 16 years at Georgia. So what's that like being 16 years old, 17 years old on a college campus? Ah, oh, man, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big culture shock. So it's a big culture shock because it's, I feel like so like a fish in a big, in the ocean, a small fish in the ocean and trying to figure out what to do, try to find my way. But at the same time, UGA, they had so many people there to help guide that make the transition easy for me. And plus, there was um, my three three other roommates. We all came in early at the same time. So I was able to lean heavily on each other to help that transition as well. And did you take summer classes to kind of get used to uh, being in the college class? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. They had us enrolled in May Master as well as summer classes through June and July. What did you major in? Sports management. Okay. Good deal, man. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about football. Um, you know, you come in at 17 years old. I imagine it's, it's, uh, it's pretty tough going against, you know, uh, you know, going, coming into a program like UGA. Uh, but one of my favorite moments that you had, uh, was that 80 yard touchdown run against Arkansas, I think in 2014, I believe. And, uh, take me through that. Oh man, that was, I actually, that might've been, 2009. So that's when I was. That's when I earned or gained the starting running back position. Okay, and 2009. When, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. started the running back position once again. Like you said, I was 17. Didn't really grab. One thing I guess that my mindset is, I didn't really grasp how big of a opportunity that was. So that was a good. That was a bad. Good in the sense of I, I wasn't that. I wasn't too jitter i wasn't too nervous but bad in the sense of i feel like i should have done more to capitalize on that but that 80 yard run in arkansas i mean it's i mean it just felt like hey we dropped the play our lineman did exactly what they're supposed to do our fullback did exactly what he's supposed to do and the c had i mean the the the, the block open yes the c had parted there was no one there in sight i mean there's one guy he might have been two or three yards off to the side i just had to do run a little wiggle and it was all foot race. At that point, I was always determined if I was to ever break free, I can never get caught. Man, that, you know, I, I remember watching that game and, and just being, you know, the years all run together at this point. Um, so, you know, 2009 feels like 2014 feels like, you know, at, at this point and, and the way the world is going, time is almost kind of frozen. But yeah, that was one of my favorite uh, Richard Samuel moments. Um, another one was, you know, you come in to, uh, to close the game against Florida. Um, 
I believe it was your senior year. Um, yes, come in, sir. Come in to close the game against Florida. I was always, you know, I, I grew up playing fullback in high school and things like that. And, and uh, the art of the, the closer uh, at the running back position is, is an art not lost on me. So how, do, how does that feel to see half the stadium empty as you're just pounding on the Gators? I mean, that, that was an amazing feeling. That Now, that game, that's that was a different mindset, a different zone for me because I just remember going over the bridge because every year we had a bridge to go over that we could see the stadium. And I was just completely in the zone of whatever I needed to do, whenever my number was called, that I'm going to do that to the best of my ability to help the team win. I wasn't certain if it was going to be special teams or at the running back position. I just knew that I needed to be ready for whenever they did call me, I was ready to excel and ready to win at what I needed to do for my job. Absolutely, man. And it was, uh, it was a job well done. I mean, I, I think, I think just the elation of breaking that, uh, I guess breaking that losing streak against Florida, um, was, was also just something that was, you know, a lot of Georgia fans were just elated to see you come in and just, just drive the final nail in the coffin. So yes, uh, yes. So let's let's uh, let's kind of talk about recruiting. You know, uh, what what was the recruiting process like for you? It was um, it was it was. I like what made me chose Georgia was the personal aspect of the recruiting process. First, there was um, some Coach Bobo and Stacey Serrells and Coach Ball. Those are the three main coaches that I was very involved with, and they made me feel more of a individual than an athlete there were some other places that i went to visit that they were just more worried about me being an athlete than me as an individual and that's the main aspect that i love that draw me into georgia and then the more i dig deep in georgia and understand the history and some of the, the amazing athletes that came through the program and then the the history of the program it was just a no-brainer like this is home for me yeah and i'm, I'm glad you chose it um so you know, just that personal aspect can go uh, a long way. Who was uh, who was the runner-up? I'm just curious. Who would you have chosen uh, had Georgia not had Georgia not been recruiting you? I think I would have chosen Clemson because they want they would allow me to play both ways, running back and linebacker. Okay, that's interesting, and they have a lot of good tradition too with the with the Howard Rock and the Hill and all that stuff. So um, that would have yes, been a sir. good choice. But I'm I'm glad you chose the dogs uh, nonetheless. Uh, Practice. How, how intense was practice when you got here? Practice was rough. It was rough for me. I remember my, excuse me, the in the spring of the first year, my first time practicing in the spring when I first enrolled early, I saw Caleb King. He was running the ball to the left, and the on the defensive end on the right side caught him on the opposite side of the ball, and that was big eye open. Like wow, you know we have a big guy coming across the field from the opposite side of the ball and making a play. That was impressive. That was one thing I remember that was so impressive. Like, okay, this, this is a whole nother ball game for playing high school ball. Mm-hmm. It's just the speed of the game is just ramped up immensely. Yes. yes. So, who was the most intense coach on, on the offensive side of the ball? On offense, I'll say Coach Bobo. Yeah, he, Coach he's, Bowman, he, he, he always me. had the fire. Yeah, he always had the fire in him. So let's let's. I, I want you to help me break this myth. There's there's a myth going around with Georgia fans that that Coach Rick was very laid back and 
not very intense and things like that. What what was he like at practice? What was he like on the sidelines during games, and how was it different? Oh man, he 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 he's fired up. He now he may not be too out there, kind of like how um, Coach Sarles was, Stacy Sarles, mm-hmm. but he he was fired up. He was definitely had the fire, he had the desire. I mean, he, he didn't take anything lightly. There's times at practice that if we're you know halfway doing it. He would get in someone's face and get him, tell him to start over and start running. He he was one of those in-your-face type of coaches. He kept his composure a little bit more on the sidelines, but when it comes to practice and definitely inside the locker rooms during halftime of the game, oh, man, he will definitely treat you out and he let you know, hey, you are slipping on what you're supposed to be doing. If you're not going to get your job done, get to the side put somebody else in there. So, he yeah, he wasn't halfway. He wasn't kind-hearted, if you might say when it comes to game time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think, you know, and I'm glad you broke that myth for me. I'm glad everything was, uh, I'm glad everything was just, uh, you know, that we can figure out that coach Rick wasn't checked out and things like that. So um, let's talk about the current, let's talk about the current team. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on, on like this year's team? What are your thoughts on the job that Kirby smarts done since he's come in? Ren, I'm, <clears throat> Excuse me, John Kirby. Kirby's done a really, really great job just from seeing guys perform and also talk to some of the um, team chaplains, some of the guys that, um, what's his name? Um, Brian Grant. I mean, Gant. Just listening of the transition and the difference in the type of mindset that Kirby has within the locker room, within the program. I mean, he has that driven, has that we're going to win, has that everyone has to fight for their position every single day type mentality in the locker room, which, as you see, got us to where it was playing in the, in the playoffs, got us where it was playing in the um, SEC championship. So I'm excited to see what he continues to do with a number of athletes he got coming in, especially some of those great running backs that have coming in as well. So uh, evaluate the running back position. Like We got Zamir White, James Cook, and then, you know, Kenny McIntosh, and then some of the uh, new guys coming in, like Kendall Milton, and I think uh, Daiwan Edwards, if I pronounce that right. So what, what are your thoughts on the, on the current running back situation? It's, it's tough. I mean, like you said, we have, look at the guys we have coming back, Zamir White and Cook, and there's some good ass. I mean, we have a guy that he can pound you, but he can also take to the house. But then we also have a guy that kind of like a Thomas Brown type running back. So we have that's already there who already have gameplay SEC D1 experience. But then we have some of them younger athletes. I mean, this is another guy coming up, I forgot his name, but um, he, he runs the ball kind of like Todd, Todd Gurley. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the bigger guy. He's shifty, but he has speed as well. So what you can do with a talent like that? You're going to redshirt him or you're going to, you know, you're going to play him. It's hard to see. So, I mean, we have some great, great athletes coming in. So I'm excited to see how we utilize their abilities. And I feel uh, just from seeing what Kirby has done with the program, I feel that he will find a way to implement those guys' talents and abilities around the playbook or for uh, make a playbook around them. Yeah, I'm, I, I think he's I think he's not a uh, force feed your system type type of person. I think with uh, I think he realizes you know with this most recent hire of Todd Monken, I think he realizes that you have to fit your system with your players, and I think that our the, the receivers that 
Georgia has recruited uh, to match the running backs. And then you have a dynamic weapon who can do just kind of a little bit of everything with James Cook. I think you bring in a guy like Todd Monken who's going to, I think, take advantage of matchups and things like that and try to get James Cook out in space and so that he can use maybe three, maybe even four uh, running backs uh, throughout the course of the season. So, uh, what you know, what are your thoughts on the, on the direction of the, the offense and, and do you know much about Todd Monken? I do not know much. I mean, I know, you know before he came to Georgia, he has a definitely good streak of success. So I kind of like what you said, the fact that he's willing to or he has the ability to build his playbook around his athletes, that's what I'm excited to see. That's one thing that I've noticed throughout my five years at Georgia. We have a ton of great talent, even on the field and on the sideline. So if we can find a way to utilize everyone's talent and keep people fresh, I mean, we can we can dominate. We can really make some things happen and, and interchange. You know, put like you said, four running backs throughout the entire season. You don't usually see four running backs playing. You always see one, maybe two, maybe three, but have four to utilize, and each has a different weapon. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that'd be amazing. I can't wait. Uh, you were did did you were you on the team that went out to Oklahoma State? Was that was that your freshman year or was that the year before? Yes. That? Yeah, so yeah. I, th- I think Monken was there. What do you think about what did you think about that Oklahoma State team? I think that's I think that was his first year as coordinator. I mean, they were good. I mean, they 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 came ready to play. They executed. They moved. Yeah, they were that was a good team. I remember that. So that I think that I think you can expect that level of, of explosiveness. Um, I believe Des Bryant was on that team. Um, if I remember yes, he correctly. was. Yep, Des was. Yeah. What was it like seeing him in person? <laughs> was he on a whole nother level? He was. I mean, kind of reminds me of AJ. I mean, just amazing athletes. They they make plays. It, it just doesn't happen. They make them happen. Were you in awe of AJ of AJ Green in practice? Yes. Does, does, he, does he make those highlight type catches in practice? Yes, he does. And the thing is, is his demeanor. It's, it just seems so laid back. But it's like, wow, where this come from? Out of someone so laid back. It's almost and laid just, back, but laser focused is, is kind of how I how I see yes. the green. Yes, he he was always tuned in. He was always tuned in, always laid back, but he once again he just made plays. You, you can't you can't go wrong there. So, um, what what do you think was the toughest place for you, for you guys to play on on the road? Toughest place. Um, I want to. Mm, that's a tough one. And and do you think know, it's do you think it's changed? Do you think your opinion has changed based on what you know from the outside looking in now? A little bit, a little bit. I think the the most <laughs> the most annoying place to play was um, South Carolina with that with that, um, that rooster, whatever that game cop, whatever it is, yeah, making that noise every freaking yeah. two minutes. It was awful. And it felt like you were in a techno club too, right? Yes, I just hated playing in that stadium. It was just awful and annoying. Did it? Did it feel like? Did it feel like you were in Hell's waiting room too, with the with the temperatures <laughs> usually there at that time of yeah. year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It almost seemed yeah. like it was always a hundred degrees, sun beating down on you. So, um, so South Carolina, that's interesting. I think uh, I think Chad Chad Glor, he, he when I when I talked to him on this show, he said his his favorite place was South Carolina on the road because uh, I guess he's more into techno music than you are. So um, that kind of struck him as, as one of his favorite places. Uh, what did you, you know, 
I'm gonna circle back to Georgia, Florida. Was it weird having that half and half crowd? What was that like? The first time I saw it as a freshman, it was in a, I mean, it was amazing to see like just it's a it's a true split. You can see it. There's no where you have to look real hard. It's a true split. And just being on the middle of the field can looking around and say, Wow, half Georgia, half Florida. It was, Oh, this one of those amazing feelings that you don't get too often, or you don't get doing too many things. Yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's a unique experience. I went to about seven of them as a fan, um, and it's it's a surreal experience. I've sat on both sides actually, uh, depending on where my ticket source came from. So uh, it's definitely it's definitely an experience, and um, and it's definitely weird seeing one side of the the stadium. It uh, it clears out versus the other where it's still going, still going crazy. So, um, do you with the current running backs? Do you have you have you reached out to any of them? Have you given them any sort of advice? Uh, no, sir, I have not. I've never been able to reach out and communicate with any of them. Okay. Um, so, some advice. Uh, is there any advice that you've received along the way that might have stuck with you? That you know that one piece of advice from one of the coaches or somebody at the university saying. Uh, telling you something, or maybe even something at hi- in high school that someone told you that stuck with you? I would say the one thing is to, well, it's, just, it's kind of two. One, make sure you know your job and you do your job the best of your ability. And the other second thing is what you, it's all, you do this during the offseason. Make sure you are physically prepared to do that job. When I say from the running back position, the main things are catching, blocking, and being able to run with the ball. You learn all the – meaning agility. You learn all that during the offseason. So spend your time in the offseason making sure that you are honing in on those skills and those abilities so whenever it comes to game time and you know your job, you can do your job to your best ability. Those are the two main things for a running back or almost any athlete. And would you, you have to be able to do – go ahead. I said would you echo that to uh... – to the current incoming freshman? Oh, yes, definitely. Spend the offseason, make sure that you're ready. And then when it comes time, make sure that you know your plays. Make sure you know who you're supposed to pick up. Make sure you know what transition to who and how to go on the block and run the routes. So yeah, those are two main things, physical and mental preparedness. So um, I'm going I'm to – uh, take to take the point of you saying learning your plays and stuff like that. How, what's the what do you think? What worked for you as far as learning your responsibilities and learning your job? What worked for you the best, and and what do you think would be a good strategy for these incoming freshmen to learn the playbook? I'd say just um, I say for me, just try to match certain things, match words with what you're supposed to do, kind of. Make them easier to remember. I know, of course, with offense or running back, you know, you have your evens and you have your odds. So that's the common sense. But then you have the play names that you got to figure out, okay, this name means this. And just try to have some type of key that will match it with something that is automatic for you in your mind. You know, like power. We have a power play. Well, power is straight down the middle, you know, mm-hmm. straight ahead. Yeah. Toss, you know, 24 toss, where we toss it to the right because you got to go outside. So just little things that makes it a piece of trigger in your mind to where you can think fast and say, hey, this word means resembles to this, so I know I have to do this job. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like word association, things like that. That's yes, good. You know, 
something that you learn as an elementary school student, uh, those mnemonic devices to try to get you to remember what you're supposed to do. That's, uh, you know, that, that seems very, very simple. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you touched on that. So, um, Richard, you, you said you majored in sports management. What are you, uh, what are you up to these days? Well, currently I'm in, um, I'm investment real estate. So I have my real estate license. I've been on license for about five years now. And <clears throat> I work with, um, other investors to help purchase the property as well as I manage the properties for them. Okay. So that's, uh, it, that market's got to be booming right now, right? Matt, let me tell you, I had a client, uh, it's a, it's a, this is a resale residential. Okay. I had a client that we just closed on a home last Thursday. His price point was under $200,000 and we, we put in probably five offers at asking price and above asking price, we got outbid every single time. So wow. the market is hot and it's moving. Good deal. Are you in the Atlanta area? Yes, sir, I am. How can uh, how can Georgia fans get in touch with you as far as uh, with your business and and you know social media, all that stuff? Oh, of course, there's Georgia fans. Um, shoot, my cell is seven seven zero five four seven seven six seven five. Social media, um. Um, on Facebook, it's just Richard Samuel. Instagram, Richard underscore A underscore Samuel. And that's the best way to reach me. Or text, call. I'm quick to answer. And like I said, if you have, if anyone have any questions in regards to anything in regards to real estate, I'd be more than glad to answer. I don't feel any obligations or anything. I just want to give the information to help. You heard it there, Georgia fans. Re- reach out to him. He, he's going to be a... Uh... He's going to be a real estate mogul here pretty soon. So, uh, Richard, I, I'm going to offer this challenge to everyone I talk to or every alumni I talk to. Um, I'm going to give you a chance to call out two teammates, and we're going to try to get them on the show. Two teammates. Um, who, who are you calling out? I'll say Tavares King and um, Rennie Kern. Okay. I like that. Tavares, Rennie, you're up. You've been challenged. Uh so yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think Chad he 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 said you, and I think he said T, uh, TK. So I think uh, Tavares is getting uh, he's going to get some added pressure, I guess, from you to to, to jump on. So um, Richard, I would love to have you back. It, you're welcome anytime, um, and it, even if with the teammates that you just called out, if you want to join with those teammates, uh, you are more than welcome to, um, and we can uh, we can have you on as a guest host and. Uh, things like that. So I don't know if you'd be interested in that, but you don't have to answer that right now, but I definitely appreciate you coming on. Um, so, um, yeah. Yes, yeah, appreci- sir. Most definitely. I'm I, anything I can do to help. I, I'm more than glad to willing to help. If you call, Hey, I'm here to help. Just give me reach out and let me know when and what time. All right, Richard. Well, let's talk soon. And, uh, again, uh, I'll give you a good hearty go dogs. And uh, I appreciate you going on. I appreciate you coming on the show. All right, yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Richard. Thank you, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.